as the public worship of the church. And uh, Paul writes and he deals with a few things here. He, he talks about the covering, the covering that of a man and that of a woman. Uh, Paul makes mention to the church at Corinth, a church that had issues and a church that had much problems, but a church that I don't see different uh, than any other church that we have in existence. For as long as we're going to be a church of people, we're going to be a church of problems. And here Paul uh, talks to Corinth, and uh, Corinth had uh, not just problems, because everybody have problems, uh, but they had some problems in some case that uh, they should have not. Uh, but Paul deals with the head coverings, and Paul deals with uh, the roles of the genders, and he, he says to the church at Corinth, he tells them that God is the head of Jesus, and Jesus is the head of man. But then he also reminds us that man is the head of uh, the woman. Now, Paul was not talking about the woman was inferior to the man, neither was he saying that the man was superior to the woman. But Paul wanted us to understand, and the Corinthian church, uh, that God had uh, a certain order uh, in the beginning of time, and he had a certain creation order. And he wanted us to understand that uh, the women were very vital uh, in the first century church. And I need to say today that women need not ever feel inferior uh, to men, even though God has set the role uh, that men should have uh, the manship and the leadership inside of the home and in the church, but the women are not uh, of lesser value uh, to the church uh, as they were not even in the first century. So uh, we need to remind ourselves that women are vitally important uh, to the church and to the life uh, of the church. And so Paul deals with the covering and the head coverings and the different roles of uh, the genders. And then Paul, uh, he moves on into uh, the part where we're going to be today and that's beginning with verse number 17. And Paul uh, writes to the church at Corinth. Uh, the church at Corinth, some say that the church at Corinth had been the word that they use. They have been Corinthianized. In other words, uh, the things that were going on uh, in the city of Corinth were now taking place in the church of Corinth. And so Paul wanted the church at Corinth to understand that it is your job as the people of God to affect the city and not allow the city to affect the church. Paul wanted them to understand that just because you have a certain kind of culture here in Corinth, that culture should not come inside of the church of God. It is the culture of the church that should affect the culture on the outside. And so Paul writes to them, wanting them to understand these messages. But then Paul writes about the Lord's Supper. He writes about the Lord's Supper. Go with me now to uh, 1 Corinthians 11 and look at verse number 17 here on the screen. He says, now in this that I declare unto you I praise you not, that you come together not for the better, but for the worse. Now, y'all, this is a terrible picture because when you come to the public worship of God, it should always be for the better. You should always benefit 
by coming to the public worship of God. Paul tells them that when they came, it was not for the better, but it was for the worse. In other words, there were more harm being done than good being done in the, watch this, the public worship of God. This is not your house. This is the house of God. And so God has already orchestrated how you and I should run things and oversee things and manage things in the house of God. But the Bible says that when they came together, it was not for the better, but it was for the worse. Verse 18, for first of all, when ye come together in the church, and that knocks out the doctrine of staying home. There are some that are teaching now, we don't need to come to church. And remind yourself, we're not talking about the church building. We're talking about the very people of God. The church can meet underneath a bridge, and we will still be the people of God. So the building don't make us a church. The people does. And so he says, he says in verse 18, For first of all, when ye come together in the church, notice here, you have to come together. You can't watch it at home on purpose. You can't watch the FaceTime live on purpose. And say, you know, I know they're meeting down there at the church. But, you know, I just don't feel like getting out of my bed this morning. No, if you ain't providentially hindered, it is your job to come down here on Sunday morning. And he said, when they came together, Paul says, in the church or as the church, I hear that there be divisions among you or the word factions, and he says, and I partly believe it. In other words, Paul says, you know, uh, I hear that there are some factions among you, some divisions among you, and Paul says, you know what? Some of that stuff I can believe. Then verse 19, for there must be also heresies among you, for they which are approved may be made manifest among you. Now, the reason why Paul can say I partly believe it because Paul had been down this road already with Corinth and he knew the people of Corinth. And verse 19, there's, there's something special in verse 19. We may get with it uh, in one of the preliminary points. Verse 20, when ye come together, therefore into one place. Do you see this? It is important to come together. But he says, when you come together in one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. What was going on in Corinth? You come together, it's not for the better, it's for the worse. He says, when you come, he says, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. And then he says in verse 21, for in eating, everyone taketh before other his own supper. And one is hungry, watch this, one is hungry and the other is drunken. It is not for the better, it is for the worse. Watch this, what have you not houses to eat and to drink in or despise? And, and, and let me be clear, Paul was not advocating drinking right here. Hello somebody, 
but they were getting drunk right here. But he's not advocating drinking, neither is he advocating drunkenness. But he's simply telling you what was going on in Corinth. And he's telling them here that when you come to this public place of worship, he says it is not for better, but it is for worse. He says it is not to partake of the Lord's Supper. He says, have you not houses to eat and drink in or despise ye the church of God and shame them that have not? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. Mm. Paul had a stern message for the people of Corinth right here. And I stopped by to tell you that if Corinth was not coming for the purpose of the Lord's Supper and for not coming for the purpose of each other, then what in the world were they coming for? I want to talk on the subject title this morning. What are you here for? Why do you come down here? Why are you here today? What, what is the purpose? What drew you here this morning? What compelled you to be here this morning? What is your mindset when you come to the public house of God? What are you thinking? What, are, what is leading you here? What is on your agenda when you come here? Must I say this before we get into the preliminary points I'll talk tonight uh, of the main points, and, 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 and so the main folk going to be here tonight. Amen? Amen? Uh, well, I ain't going to give you the main points here, and I'm just messing with you on that one. The, but we'll be back tonight, and I'll give the main points tonight, but I'll give the preliminary points this morning. And I want to give just three uh, on this morning. But while we deal with the lesson, I want you to ask yourself the question, what, what are you here for? Why do you come here? Do you simply come because we read in Scripture of verses like this and others that teaches us and speak of the public worship and how important it is to come together? Do you come because you simply just want to do something because if you don't come, you will feel guilty for not coming? Do you come simply because you don't want the leadership to give you a call if you're not? I mean, do you come to, to see what somebody else have to wear this Sunday? I mean, do you come to socialize with a social group or when you come here on Sunday morning? What draws you here on Sunday? What is the main reason why you're here? It ought to be the God of heaven. And what Paul was telling them here. Y'all have come and y'all have turned the house of God into a house of shame. Y'all have come, not y'all, Corinth. Y'all have come to the house of God and you have turned the house of God into a house of shame. They had become a bunch of gluttoners and a bunch of drunkards. They had reveries going on. That word reverie means to party. In other words, they turned the house of God into a big party. They had a meal. The meal that they had can be found in the book of Jude, verse number 12. There Paul tells us they had something that they call the charity feast. It was called the love feast or another term, the agape 
feast. And what they would do, they uh, mimicked that from Jesus who oftentimes ate with his disciples. And they took that and they had their agape feast and they closed with what is known as the Lord's Supper. But what they were doing is they were not considering uh, the importance of the Lord's Supper. Neither were they considering each other. They were coming together for this party. And y'all, I dare anybody come in the house of God and get drunk in the house of God. You have lost all respect. Must I say you have lost I wanted to say you lost your cotton picking mind, but I know some of y'all ain't never picked no cotton, so I, I couldn't go there. But you have lost your mind. You've lost your spiritual mind. You have lost respect for God. You have lost respect for the house of God. You have lost respect for the word of God. You have lost respect for the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. I want to talk to you. Let me give you the first preliminary point. Let's talk about the history. The history. The reason why Paul can say that I partly believe that there are factions or divisions among you, the reason why Paul can say it is because of the history of the Corinthian church. If you remind yourself in chapter 1, around verse number 10, Paul talks about how they were divided over preachers. One said that I, I, I'm of this guy, I'm of that guy, I'm of this guy. Then Paul says, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? So the history of the Corinthian church, Paul already knew the history of this church because he's been down this road already with the church at Corinth. Must I say, as the church of God and the people of God, we must never allow history to repeat itself. We must not allow history or the past to repeat itself. You can learn from history. You should grow out of your history. If a person does not learn from their history, it suggests that the person is not growing. Hello, somebody. If you fail to look and observe your past or your history, every once in a while, you must observe your history because you don't know how far you have traveled if you never look back into retrospect. And so you have to go back in the past, not only to see how far you have traveled, but to see how much you have learned and how much you have grown. But if we tell the truth about it this morning, there are some people who are allowing history to repeat itself in their lives. And Paul says, I partly believe it. I, I, I can believe some of that because I've been down this road already. Our job is to grow. Our job is to, is to learn. Our job is not to observe just the church. Our job is to observe our soul and our salvation. Sometimes we are too busy observing the lives of other people. And while we are observing the lives of other people, our own lives are dwindling and fading and drifting away. Stop paying attention to somebody else's marriage and start paying attention more to your marriage. 
Stop paying attention to somebody else's drifted son or daughter and start paying more attention to your own wayward son and daughter. Stop just praying for other people's house and start praying for your own house. Learn from your history. Learn from your history and allow the history of our past to grow us and to mature us in the house of God. Never forget we represent God. Never forget we represent God. God is someone higher than us. We represent God. Every family, every person, every marriage in here should resemble that of who God is. Every single person is a resemblance of God. Every family is a resemblance of God. Every marriage is a resemblance of God. But I must concentrate. I must observe. I must pay attention to my own stuff before I can be of help to somebody else. How would it look if I try to help you with your marriage and my marriage is falling all apart? Make sure this. Make sure your marriage is always on the rock and never on the rocks. Give me point two. Preliminary point number two. The purpose of God. Now watch this here. I want to show you something here in this verse. Let's go over to, y'all doing all right? Let's look at this 1 Corinthians. Give me verse, uh, let's look at verse uh, number 19. Watch what he says. For there must be also heresies among you, that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. God will allow some stuff to take place in the church. God will, he will allow some stuff to take place in your life. Matter of fact, God needs to allow certain things to take place in your life. Because if certain things don't take place in your life, you will never learn. Hello, somebody. There are some things God needs to let some of us fall to the bottom of the barrel. Sometimes God needs to put you on your back. You will not ever look upward any other time. So God sometimes has to allow you to get all the way on your back and then hopefully you will look up towards heaven and ask God for the help and the assistance that you need. Sometime God will permit certain things to take place in your life for your own personal growth and welfare. You know, God will permit things in the church to take place. You know why? Because when stuff are taking place in the church, the dust is flying. The smoke is out. Hello, somebody. Huh? I mean, the dust is all over the place when you got a troubled church, when you got stuff happening in the church. And you can't, you can't see your way. Dust is flying everywhere. Smoke all over the place. Problems everywhere. But God will permit that he may manifest to the church who are the true people of God. You know, when the smoke clears, who will still be standing? When the smoke clears, who will still be standing? When the dust are no longer in the air, who will still be standing? God will allow certain stuff to take place, will allow the church to go through certain things that he may show forth those who really love the Lord. You know, why is it that we, we put everybody in the same basket in the church? You know, we can have one or two bad apples. Let's see if we can find a bad apple this morning. 
that's the thing. You just don't know who the bad apples are. <laughs> Sometimes the bad apples are on the low. Hello, somebody. They're on the low. You don't know who they are until you know who they are. We'll find one or two bad apples, one here, one there. And we'll say, well, this one is bad and that one is bad. Therefore, we say the whole entire church is bad. You cannot throw the church under the bus because of one or two or three bad apples in the church. And you know what people do that they really should stop doing? It's this. It's sometimes people will say, I don't go to church because of hypocrites. Have you ever spoke to your friends and they say, I don't go to church because, you know, they're just a bunch of hypocrites anyhow? Come on, somebody. Yeah. My question to them is, do you have a job? And if you have a job, do you know how many hypocrites are on your job? Do you ever go to the doctor's office? You know how many hypocrites walk through that door? Do you ever go to the supermarkets? Do you know how many hypocrites are in line? Do you know how many hypocrites are in the aisles? Do you ever go to the bank? Do you ever hand your check to a teller? Do you know that you may be very well handing your check to a hypocrite who is a teller? Amen, somebody. I'd rather be in a church with a few hypocrites than to be to die and to be at a guilty distance from God and go to a place where all the hypocrites are. The whole church should have shot amen. That just went over some of y'all heads. They said, well, I don't go to church because there's folk, all they do is gossip. I'd rather go to church with a folk, with folk who gossip, with some of the folk who gossip, with few of the folk who gossip, then die, be at a guilty distance from God, and go to a place where all gossipers. They say, well, all they do, there are a bunch of haters down there. Well, that may be true. I'd rather be in a place where there are a few haters than die, be at a guilty distance from God, and go to a place where all of the haters are gone. I'd rather be in a place where there's a few liars in the church than die, be at a guilty distance from God, and be in a place where all liars will have their part in the lake that burn it. <laughs> Why folk lie on making people the excuse why they don't serve the Lord when really it's not the people, it's you. You can go all of the other places where they have liars, gossipers, haters, and hypocrites. And, and some of the most idiotic statements is, well, all I do is, I, you know, I don't go home with them. I just work with them. Well, you don't come home with me neither. And I don't go home with you. And I'm not saying you ought to be a hypocrite. All I'm saying is, let's keep this thing real. You're talking about the people of God. And people will always bring problems. And every person might have this that they're dealing with, and the other might have that that they're dealing with. And as long as we live on God's green earth, they're going to be hypocrites living. They're going to be liars living. And the church, the kingdom of God is like a great net. 
And when it goes out into the world, it brings all kind back into the church of God. So don't be surprised. If there are some sharks in here, don't be surprised if you see some electric eels in here. Don't be shocked. But folk need to tell the truth. They say, the reason why I don't serve God is because I really don't want to serve the Lord. It's not really about anybody else. It's all about where I'm at with the Lord. Can I say something? Well, the church does have hypocrites. Matter of fact, I've been a hypocrite before. You know what a hypocrite is? <laughs> Some of y'all are like, Brother Bills, what, what, you've been a, a hypocrite? Yes, I have. <laughs> Come here. Let me tell you what a hypocrite is. A hypocrite is simply a person who wears the mask. Have you ever worn the mask? Ooh, I wish I had a church up in here this morning. It's simply wearing the mask. It is, has the understanding of a person who is an actor. <laughs> Woo. A hypocrite. And so when you come before the, the throne of God, you need to come open, exposed, naked, and open. And when you come before God, it is our job to take off the mask. Amen, somebody. Let me give you the third and final preliminary point. Watch this here. Here it is. Clashes of the classes. Classes, clashes of the classes, rather. In Corinth, there were two kinds of people. Can I say this? It made a difference who you ate with in biblical times. It made a difference who you walked the streets with. It made a difference who you rolled with. It made a difference who you invited into your house. It made a difference who you ate at the table, who you ate at the table with. You just didn't invite anybody at the house to eat a meal with you. In Corinth, you had a people who had come out of a paganistic worship. And the same thing some of them were doing out there, like getting drunk, they were doing in the house of God. There were two kinds of people. There were pagans and there were Christians. But then there were other two kinds. There were rich folk and then there were and what was happening here in Corinth, when they came to church, as we call it, they were not coming for the purpose of the Lord's Supper. They were not really concerned about the Lord's Supper, not saying that they were not taking the Lord's Supper because they were taking the Lord's Supper. And Paul says, when you take the Lord's Supper, some of y'all are taking it in an unworthy manner. He said, that's why some of y'all sick now. He said, that's why some of y'all sick now. And he said, that's why some of... That's why some of them are dead. Because they were taking this stuff here. And they were taking it in an unworthy manner. And they were taking it while being drunk. They were taking it while mistreating each other. The rich folk and the poor folk. They were eating their meal. 
They were not, in some cases, not allowing the poor Christians enough time to come and to eat a meal with them. Not only that, they were not serving the best foods to those who were of what they thought were lesser individuals. Y'all know this. Rich folk can buy more food than poor folk. Amen, somebody? Yeah, y'all know that's true. The poor folk can't buy what the rich folk can buy. But when you become a part of the house of God, what you got belong to me. I don't work for you. I don't work to provide for you. But I, I work for my family. Now, listen. When you are a part of the family of God, there is no family, no family that supersedes the family of God. There's no relationship that ought to be closer, that ought to be more intimate than the family of God. They were mistreating the poor Christians. It was supposed to be a love feast. What was loving about this meal? They were eating without their fellow Christians. They were getting drunk. They were mishandling. And then the Bible says that they were shaming the poor Christians. They were putting them to shame. Now, y'all, what you got to understand, all of this is taking place in the house of God. As I come to a close. If you ever find out that there's a Christian who does not have a place to lay their heads and you know about it and you have the means to do something and you don't do nothing. How is it can you be my brother and sister in Christ and know I need a place to lay my head and you have the means to help me, but you don't? How is it that you are supposed to be my brother and sister in Christ and you find out that I don't have anything to eat, but you do nothing about it? How is it that you can be my brother and sister in Christ and know that I am naked and don't have anything to wear? How can you be my brother and sister and treat me like a red-haired stepchild instead of treating me like a child of the living God? 99.9% .9 of the time, when we as a church here finds out about these kinds of things, 99.9% .9 we do something when we find out about it. We won't allow folk to not have a place to stay, not have food to eat, not have clothes to wear. Now, don't be looking for that expensive stuff if you need some clothes. Don't be talking about, let's go to Macy's, Brother Bill said. Let's go to Penny's and, and let's go. No, we're we not going to get you all of that. We're going to get you some clothes now. But it, ain't, it might not be all that stuff, you know. Uh, yeah, it might not be that. But you'll be warm. You need a place to stay. Don't be looking for no five-star. I'm not saying we're going to put you in the hood, but it should not be in the house of God. And if it push come to shove, if you got some extra rooms in your house, 
ain't, ain't nobody coming to my house. See, that's the problem. It ain't your house. You're just a temporary user. I ain't never known nobody. All the funerals we've been to in our life, I never seen no house at no funeral. Never seen a bank account, never seen none of that stuff. Never seen a Cadillac. They don't put that in the casket. It's just your body. That's it, period. I'll say this. I learned this from a guy when I was in the service, well, after the service, but an old deacon, an old deacon there in North Carolina, he, he taught me this through his own experience. I don't loan people money. I, I don't do it. I, I, don't, I don't loan people money. Now, that's not a license for you to come to me after service. I give it to them. If you need it, if you need it. Now, if you need it, if I got it, I just give it to you. But I'll I pay you back. I'll pay. No, 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 brother. Now, let's stop right there. Now, let, me, let me stop you right there. Let me help you out. I don't want it back. If I got it, I'm going to give it to you. Now, you keep that. He taught me. He said, Viltz. He said, Viltz. He says, I learned this through one of his experience. Fellow needed to borrow some money. Never paid him back. He said, Viltz, how can the man pay you back on time? When he's behind, come the next month, he got to take that money he got and put it on something that he still owe for. He said, how he going to ever catch up to give you what you? If you need it, here it is, man, just take it. Sometime in the church, folk tell us, we, I, I need this, I, I need that, I'll pay it back. No, 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 no. You know, we tell them, uh-uh. No, 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 no. Look, we're not, we not looking for you to pay nothing back. If you're my brother and sister in Christ, we're not looking for you to pay nothing back. If your mama is in need of money, how in the world you going to tell mama, mama, I'm going to be looking for next month on the second and on the third for you to be paying me back. I need you to pay me back on the 15th. If you got it, that's your mama or your daddy or your sister or your brother or your sister or your brother in Christ. If you've been blessed with it and your cup overflows, it's not overflowing just to spill and waste. It's overflowing for you to share and bless somebody else with. What you come down here for? Why are you here this morning? It should be about the Lord, period. That's it. It shouldn't be about yourself. It shouldn't be about what you want, what your will is. It should be about God, period, and that's it. But, 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 no buts. If, if, no ifs. Some folk going to butt their hell straight into hell. Gonna butt themselves straight into hell. But, but, why are they going to hell? But, but, what going to, but, but, won't you ever learn? It's not about but, it's not about if, it's not about not, it's not about them, it's not about they, it's not about him, not about her, it's about him. Period. That's it. 
If you're not a child of God, you come by hearing his word, believing the same, repenting of your sins, confessing that Jesus is the very son of God. You want to be saved today, you come and you baptize you today for the remission of your sins in water. Jesus Christ's blood will wash away all of your sins. If you live faithful unto death, grow as a child of the living God, mature as a child of the living God, become a mature man, a mature woman. The Lord has promised us a place in eternity where we will spend with our God throughout all of the ages. If you're a child of God, you have recognized yourself in the lesson today. Remember, it's not about just everybody else. I must first start at home. I must first start with myself. It's my own individual self. It's my own individual marriage. It's my own family life. It's about me and my address before I can be concerned about somebody else's. If you found yourself in the lesson this morning, I pray, God, that you do what God would have you to do. What it has to stand and to say, brothers and sisters, I have sinned. And I ask the church to pray for me. You know, sometimes when people stand and say, I've sinned, sometimes people look at you with a crooked eye. They should be praising God. They should be praising God. Every time somebody stands and asks for prayers, you should say, thank you, Jesus. Somebody understands what's going on down here. You got to live a life of confession. If you sin, God gave you the right to stand up and say, I've sinned. And I asked the church to pray for me. That's a blessing. Somebody stands up and say, I need prayer. Somebody ought to say hallelujah because she understands it. She's taking her problems to the Lord. Stop carrying your stuff all over this city. It'll get too heavy for you. Give it to the Lord. Turn your burdens over to him. So what? She stands up. She's asking the Lord to help her with her struggles. If you stand in need of prayer, I pray God you ask and receive what God is willing to give you on this day. As together we stand and together we sing the invitation song, Why Don't You Come? Why Don't You Come? Jehovah.